Would you take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Jeremiah chapter 36? Jeremiah chapter 36, we're going to be reading to you from the first verse, and it says, In the fourth year of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Take a scroll and write on it all the words I have spoken to you concerning Israel, Judah, and all the nations from the time I began to speaking to you in the reign of Josiah till now. Perhaps when the people of Judah hear about every disaster I plan to inflict on them, they will each turn from their wicked ways. Then I will forgive their wickedness and their sin. We know this, that God told Jeremiah to record on a scroll all of the prophecies that he had given to him over the years. The purpose for God doing this was so that the prophecies could be read aloud to the people. Because over the years, God had been speaking through his prophet, and the people had heard these different messages of judgment. Sometimes it kind of goes in people's one ear and out the other. You know what I'm saying? They had heard the word of the Lord. They had heard these warnings. So God tells Jeremiah, you write them down. Once they're written down, I want you to read them to the people. Have them read to the people. I want them to hear all of the disaster that I spoke against Judah and against Israel and against the nation surrounding you. The reason why God did this was his hope that the people... Perhaps the people, when they hear the coming judgment, they will repent and turn from their sins and their wicked ways. And God says if they would repent, God promised to forgive their wickedness. Now hear me clearly. God takes no pleasure in the death or the judgment of the wicked. He loves to show mercy. One of the things that the enemy tries to do in our lives is sometimes, even as believers, people find themselves in a place where they've stepped out of the will of God for their life. They've disobeyed God. And the enemy would love to have people hear that God's mad at you, that God's angry at you. There's a truth. When you sin, when you rebel against God, he becomes angry. Okay? But when a man or a woman is willing to repent... Even when God has pronounced judgment, he had pronounced judgment on Israel. He loves to relent. You ever have your parents when you were a kid? Now, if you do this, I'm going to give you, we used to call it getting a licking. And if you get a licking, it's not like ice cream cone. If you do that, you're getting a licking. Like I said, it could sound kind of crazy. If God's people, no matter who you are, if whenever his spirit speaks to you, If you'll repent and turn from your sin, he loves to pardon. There's times where people think God wants to expose them. God wants to humiliate them. God wants to cause them to suffer all the consequences of their sin. Friend, Jesus took the consequences of your sin upon himself. He bore the punishment for your sin and mine. Today, if when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, If you will repent, if you will turn from that, he delights in showing mercy. He delights in restoring. He delights in healing. He loves. He wants nothing better 
than to show his mercy and his love and his kindness to you. And so as God told Jeremiah to write these words down, his desire would be that as the people heard that the judgment is coming, his desire is that they would turn from their sins and repent, and God would relent from bringing judgment upon them. Jeremiah hears this, and he calls Baruch and dictates to him all of the things that God had spoken to him. As he speaks, Baruch writes his words down on a scroll. For some reason, and there's different opinions as to why he could not go to the temple, why he didn't go to the temple. But for some reason, Jeremiah couldn't go. So he tells Baruch to go to the Lord's temple on the day of fasting and read aloud from the scroll as the people come in from the countryside. And then he says this in verse 7. He says, perhaps they will bring their petition before the Lord, and will each turn from their wicked ways. For the anger and wrath pronounced against this people by the Lord is great. Okay? So he's saying, perhaps they'll repent. Now, as I understand it, at this time, during the life of Israel, regular fast days were not a part of Israel's religious calendar. Rather, fast days were called on special occasions. They fasted whenever they had a crisis. They fasted whenever they had a problem. That sounds like a lot of Christians today. They come to church whenever they have a problem. Whenever a difficulty arises, they pray then. A Wednesday night Bible study, they're there. Prayer meeting, they're there. Revival service, they're there. Fasting and praying. They're looking for a word from the Lord. There's some people, they live life like this. They're looking for a word from the Lord during crisis moments. And it becomes very intensified during those crisis moments. They're writing scriptures on their refrigerator. They are going out and buying a coffee mug that says the scripture. They're putting it on their mirror. They're really pressing into God during crisis times. But the rest of the times, they kind of take it easy. Do you know what I'm talking about? Now, I want to say this. This is not to condemn you. If that's kind of the way that you have lived your life up to this point, that's not the best way of living your life. Thankfully, they knew where to turn. People know where to turn whenever difficult times come, whenever a crisis turns. Thankfully, for a lot of people, their default is to turn to the Lord. But I want to say God needs to be more than your default. And in my notes here, I wrote this down. It said, may I suggest to you that if you simply seek the Lord in a systematic way, you'll not have so many crises in your life. Okay? Seek him in a systematic way on a continual basis. But for them at this time, what they did is whenever a difficult time came, that's when they would fast and seek the Lord. It was typically during a time of drought. Then they call a fast. During a plague of locusts, then they call a fast. During a military crisis, then they call a fast. After they've suffered some kind of big defeat, then they call a fast. Jeremiah probably chose a fast day for the reading of the scroll because he thought the people 
would be more mindful and more aware of their needs. Perhaps during a time of crisis, they'll be more likely to repent. You ever notice that in times of crisis, people's hearts kind of get soft? A lot of people, their hearts are open in that time. Perhaps they'll be in more of a repentant mood. And so Baruch did exactly as he was told. And he waited for this day that came several months later when a fast was proclaimed. The fast probably was proclaimed because of threats from the Babylonians. And there's these guys that I'm going to read their names, and most of you will not remember their names, and their names are very hard to pronounce. There were two brothers, Gemara and his brother Akim, supported Jeremiah's message. And they allowed Baruch to use his upper room from which he could read to the people gathered in the temple courtyard. Jeremiah, if you look at chapter 26, says that their father, his name was Shaphan, he supported Jeremiah so that Jeremiah was not handed over to be killed. There was a group of people who wanted him to be handed over so that they could kill him and put him to death, but this guy's father supported. So Jeremiah had some connections there, some relations. He had some support there from the leaders. In Jeremiah chapter 36, if we skip down to verse 11, try and read these names. When Micaiah, son of Jemariah, the son of Shaphan, heard all the words of the Lord from the scroll, he went down to the secretary's room in the royal palace, where all the officials were sitting. Elishama, the secretary, Deleah, son of Shemaiah, El Nathan, son of Akbor, Gemariah, son of Shaphan, Zedekiah, son of Hananiah. Where was Bob at? You know what I mean? <laughs> where was George? I don't know where George and Bob were, but all these guys were sitting around. And uh, after Micaiah had told them everything he had heard Baruch read to the people from the scroll, and all the officials sent Jehudai, son of Nathaniah, the son of Shelemiah, the son of Cushi, to say to Baruch, Bring the scroll from which you have read to the people and come. So Baruch, son of Neriah, went to them with the scroll in his hand. And they said to him, Sit down, please, and read it to us. So Baruch read it to them. And when they heard all these words... They looked at each other in fear and said to Baruch, We must report all these words to the king. Then they asked Baruch, Tell us, how did you come to write all of this? Did Jeremiah dictate it? Yes, Baruch replied. He dictated all these words to me, and I wrote them in ink on the scroll. Then the official said to Baruch, You and Jeremiah, go and hide. Don't let anyone know where you are. Now, when Baruch read the scroll to the officials, they trembled with fear as they heard the word of the Lord, as they heard judgment after judgment after judgment that had been pronounced upon the nations. They knew that the nations were in danger, that Israel was in danger, that Judah was in danger, and they knew that the nations around them were in danger. They knew that they were in trouble. 
they had to let the king know the danger that the nation was in. Yet, they were familiar with the king and his attitudes. So they hid the scroll, and they told Baruch and Jeremiah to hide, to go away. Then they went to report to king that he needed to hear what Jeremiah had said, what he had written. They found the king in his winter palace, and he's sitting beside a fire pot to keep warm. He had a fire pit, you know what I'm saying? Maybe a little waterfall there, a little gazebo. It's an evening, I can imagine it being the evening, and they have the gas fireplace going, maybe some iced tea or something, I don't know. They're sitting out there by the fire pit, sitting in their chairs. They come to him, and they begin to read to him the word of the Lord. I want you to listen to what he says. In verse 23, if you skip down there, they send a servant. They say, King Jehoiakim, we need you to hear this. You know, he probably interrupted his party, probably interrupted his time of relaxation. And they begin to read to him the scroll, and it says, When Jehudai had read three or four columns of the scroll, the king cut them off with the scribe's knife and threw them into the fire until the entire scroll was burned in the fire. The king and all of his attendants who heard all these words showed no fear, nor did they tear their clothes. Even though Elnathan, Deliah, and Gemariah urged the king not to burn the scroll, he would not listen to them. Instead, the king commanded Jeremiel, a son of the king, Sariah, son of Azrael, and Shelemiah, son of Abdeel, to arrest Baruch, the scribe, and Jeremiah, the prophet. But the Lord had hidden them. Now, I want you to see the arrogance of King Jehoiakim. As the word of the Lord is being read, he takes the scribe's knife and he cuts sections of the word out, the word of God. He cuts sections of it out and he takes it and he throws it into the fire pit. There's no fear of God. There's no reverence for the word of God. There's no honor of the word. Just a blatant disrespect. This is a much different response than his father, King Josiah, had when he heard the word of the Lord. King Josiah really led a revival. He really did. He led a, a spiritual revival for the nation. If you want to turn your Bibles to 2 Kings 22, verse 11. Josiah became king at a young age. It's clean out day. This is Richie paraphrase. It's clean out day. It's church work day. It's temple work day. They're cleaning out the back rooms. They find the scroll. They open the scroll and they begin to read. And Josiah finds out how far from God's will for their lives, the nation has gone. The fear of God quickens in his heart. He's shocked by what he hears. And his response in 2 Kings 22, when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. It's really a a sign of repentance. Skipping down to verse 13. Go inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah about what's written in this book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger 
that burns against us because those who have gone before us have not obeyed the word of this book. They have not acted in accordance with all that's written therein. And so here's King Josiah. What do they call him? What's the term you, a lot of times when they talk about Josiah? Does anyone know the, a descriptive, I guess it's an adjective, for when they talk about Josiah? Good King Josiah. Have you ever heard that before? He was a good king. He turned the people back towards the Lord. So as a result of his response, this is what he says. Wait a minute. We've gotten away from the things of God. We've gotten away from the Lord's word. We've drifted. It's been happening for generations. And as he hears it, as Josiah hears this, he says, God's going to judge us. What do we have to do? What do we have to do to escape God's judgment? And so as a result of his response, God said to him in verse 19, because your heart, I want want you to, if you underline things in your Bible, underline this, because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I had spoken against this place and its people, that they would become a curse and be laid waste. And because you tore your robes and wept in my presence, I also have heard you, declares the Lord. I want you to hear me. When the word of the Lord comes to you, it's vital that you be responsive. It's vital that you hear, that you listen. In our homes, we shouldn't have to yell at our kids. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Some kids need a good yelling. Some of you were that kid, right? We want to raise our kids so that when I speak to you, you listen. When I talk to you, and as children of God, he shouldn't have to raise his voice to us. He shouldn't have to tell us 38 times the same thing, okay? My prayer for us is that whenever you hear the word of the Lord, that you'll respond to him. I pray that God does something in our hearts and awakens our hearts so that whenever God speaks, when we hear his word preached, that he doesn't have to get us in an arm bar or cut off our air before we tap out with God. We want to be the type of person that when God speaks, that we simply listen. And there was something about Josiah's heart that whenever he heard the word of the Lord, that his heart responded. May the Holy Spirit work in this church and in your family and in your life so that when the word of the Lord comes forth and you hear his word, may his word pierce your heart and may your heart be sensitive and obedient to his voice. And so... That was Josiah's response. Because of that, I have heard you, declares the Lord. And he says this, Therefore, I will gather you to your ancestors, and you will be buried in peace. Your eyes will not see all the disaster I'm going to bring on this place. Judgment had been foretold. Judgment was coming. But because the king repented, God relented from bringing judgment in his lifetime. Can I say this to you? If the next generation would have repented, God would have repented of the judgment that he was going to bring upon them because he loves to show mercy. His desire is to show forgiveness. His his desire is to restore. There in the midst of it, Jeremiah 29, 11, in the midst of all the judgment that God is bringing, God says, but wait a minute, I know the plans I have for you. Remember a few weeks ago I shared with you that God's thoughts towards us are more than the sands of the sea? 
God says, I know the plans that I have for you, declare. If people would only repent, if they would only turn from their stubbornness, if they would only repent of their sin, God would, he would relent from judgment and he would love to show mercy. That was Jehoiakim's father. But Jehoiakim did not respond the way his father did, with arrogance. We won't use the Bible. We'll use a, one of my notes here. Can you imagine if as we read the scripture, something I don't like, start reading about things like forgiveness. We won't do a lot, just one. Start reading about forgiveness and, well, that don't apply to me. You start reading about living holy. I don't like that living holy stuff. That's old fashioned. Let me cut that out. Living holy. So pull it out. Page after page. Can you imagine if I took God's word and just cut out sections that I didn't like? There's people, even within the sound of my voice, you don't use a knife and you don't use a lighter. But there's parts of God's word that you don't like. And you cut it out and you disregard it. Somehow it doesn't apply to me. It doesn't apply to my situation. I got a thousand things we could talk about. As I said earlier, that forgiveness one, that's a tough one. Because, Pastor, you don't know what they stinking did to me. But Jesus, if you don't forgive them, I can't forgive you. I can't forgive you if you don't forgive them. And yet somehow we kind of want to cut that one out. Here's an easy one. The Bible says that we're to bring the whole tithe to the storehouse. But people says, God understands. We need expanded basic. Just regular basic cable doesn't cut it anymore. And my kids, they're gaming all the time. They need the high-speed internet. They need the high-speed stuff. And my wife, she needs the latest iPhone. So week after week, I steal from God, but his word doesn't apply to me. As a pastor, I want to be sensitive to people. I really do. I want to be sensitive to your needs and to your circumstances. Now, what about sometimes in people's marriages? Or for unbiblical reasons, they just say, I'm done with him. I'm done with her. I don't really have a biblical reason. How about this? How about sexual immorality? You have adults who are single or teenagers who are single. Let me say this. I really want to be sensitive. It's easy for a married person to stand up and tell people to be sexually pure. Well, you're married. You know what I mean? You may say, well, I'm a 19-year-old kid. I want to be married. I want to have a wife. We're not slamming people. But we can't cut out what God says about sexual purity. We can't just go in and say, well, God understands. No, I want to be honest with you. He doesn't. You can't cut out the things that he says and burn them. Because of your circumstance. Because it's your family. Because it's your kids. You can't go against God's word and violate his word because of somehow you get a special exception or exemption. When you do that, you're really like Jehoiakim. You may not be quite as arrogant in doing it. And sometimes, that's what we'll do. We'll just act like we kind of didn't hear what he said. Oh, you didn't want me to. You know, it's easier to get forgiveness than permission. And so we disregard 
can I say this to you too? When you got saved, God called you. He brought you out of things. When you got saved, he picked you up out of the muck and the mire. He set your feet on a rock. He gave you a new life. He gave you a new chance. He changed your heart. It's called backsliding when you go back to those old ways. Now, you may say, well, all my friends do it. Pastor, I'm just trying to connect. Quit lying to yourself. You're backsliding. That's what you're doing. You're playing with the world. It never works out. Never works out. Why do we want to go back? Why is it that we, people sometimes in the church, they want to live as close to the world as they possibly can? They want to engage in all the things that God delivered you from. Those things that brought destruction in your life. Those things that almost killed you. And you want to go back to them? I was thinking in the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is rebuilding the walls. And I can identify with Nehemiah a little bit. Because Nehemiah is like, hey, we're rebuilding the walls. Business is closed on the Sabbath. Don't be coming around here. That's part of the reason why we've come under judgment. is because you're dishonoring the word of the Lord. You're dishonoring the Lord by doing business on the Sabbath. And so it's part of their, what God had called his people, Israel, too. And so Nehemiah, he warns them. And then Nehemiah put a whooping on them. Everybody say a whooping. whooping. Nehemiah goes out. He laid hands on them. Suddenly, he literally grabbed them. And laid hands on them and threw them out, okay? One of the things that concerns me as a pastor, because sometimes I have a vantage point that I can see things coming. You see what's coming behind you? No, you probably can't see that because you're looking this direction. One of the things that concerns me is parents. I don't care how old your kids are, but parents, please listen to me. You'll see parents who God has brought you out of things. He's brought you away from things. He set your feet upon a rock. When you got saved, you're like, man, I don't, I don't need that stuff anymore. I don't want to be a part of that. And then after a while, somehow God changed his mind, and now it's okay. It's okay for you to go there. It's okay for you to participate in those things. It's okay for you, well, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing this just to, to, to connect with friends. No, no I, I want to be honest with you, because that's my job. You're compromising. You're going backwards. You're not going forward. When you're doing what you like, you love it when I say that. When you're not doing what you're supposed to, something wells up inside of you. It's called a spirit of rebellion. If you got a kid, you got to squash the rebellion. You can talk to them, but there's a certain point because rebellion's as a sin of witchcraft. Please, don't let a rebellious spirit rise up in your heart. But see, when I'm not doing what I'm supposed to, a spirit of rebellion rises up. When someone says something that I don't like, it comes up inside of me and I start to get an attitude. Hmm, well, he don't understand. He don't know. Well, I, he, he, he's this, he's that. that. That's just the devil, all right? That's the enemy. So one of the things that concerns me for parents is this, that when God's brought you out of the darkness, and he's brought you into the light. Keep the light on. Don't go back into those paths of darkness. 
Don't go back into those ways of the world. Don't start compromising with the things of this world. Set a standard for your family. Set a standard for your house. Because this is what I'll have. This is the part that makes me upset. The part that makes me want to do a little Nehemiah, put like Nehemiah t-shirt on, is whenever when parents who want their kids to serve the Lord, parents who are good people, and parents whose lives have been changed, when they start compromising a little bit, they start opening the door. You know what they do? They open the door for the enemy to get involved in their kids' lives. And then Satan comes in and he wrecks destruction. And then you want me to pray. I don't want to pray. Can I really be honest? I want to spit. I want to scream. I want to holler. You open the door for the enemy to wreck destruction in your own kids' lives. And it's because of you. You're 100% to blame because the door was shut whenever you got saved. You set up those boundaries and you said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You made that determination. And then when you lower the standards, you know, if, if you open a crack for the enemy, you open the door for him. The Bible says that when the enemy comes in like a flood, you crack the door for him, he is going to come in like a flood. And this is what he's going to do. Those old strongholds that were in your family's history, that were in your life, he's not just coming back. Satan's just not coming back. Those demons aren't just coming back. They're bringing seven of their buddies. And it's going to be worse. It would have been better for you to have never even known the Lord. It would have been better for you to not even have tasted Because what the enemy does is he wrecks havoc in families because people want to take the knife and cut out that part of God's word and burn it and say, it doesn't apply to me. As God's people, please, mom and dad, grandparents, if you're claiming his name, if you're claiming his name, take into consideration what happens if your kids follow you in those steps that you're going. Because they're watching you. And you're a follower of Jesus now. You're his servant. My mom's a Christian. My dad's a Christian. And they, if you go hunting and you shoot a gun, you have a responsibility of knowing where that bullet's going to go as you shoot at that animal, as you pull that trigger. You have a responsibility to see if that bullet keeps going, how far is that going to go? When you make a determination, when you make a choice, when you make a decision, you need to see how far, if it keeps going in that direction, what's the trajectory of that choice in the life of the next generation, in the life of my grandkids? God wanted to show. He wanted to show for Jehoiakim. God wanted to give him a chance to show his kindness and his forgiveness and his mercy. But Jehoiakim, because of his choices... In essence, you can read it at the end of the chapter. God says, because you did this, I'm going to bring judgment on you. You're going to die. Your body's going to be exposed. And I'm going to bring judgment on all your kids and all of your associates. Because you've taken the word of God and you cut those points out. Now, let me ask you, here in this place, in this house, If you're taking the word of God 
and you're cutting parts of it out. And now you don't, you don't burn it because like, you're kind of like, I wouldn't do that. But you're just cutting it out and disregarding it. What are you setting yourself up for? Are you setting yourself up for the blessing of the Lord? The Bible says the blessing of the Lord to make us rich and addeth no sorrow. Or are you setting yourself up? Are you setting up your family for God's wrath, the judgment of God, the pain, the natural consequence? See, Jesus stepped in. Can I tell you, I'm looking at people in this room who the natural consequence should be that you should already be dead. A lot of you. You shouldn't be in the position you're in. You shouldn't have the reputation you're in. You shouldn't have the house you have. You shouldn't have the family that you have. There's a lot of things that you should not have. That because of the mercy of God, the goodness of the Lord, you shouldn't have all of these blessings that God has poured out in your life because naturally they should have been destroyed. Because of some of the choices you made. Because of some of the decisions that you made. Because of some of the directions that you made. But God has been gracious and he has restored to you those things. He's just been so kind. That's what he wants to do. As we close, I pray that the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. I pray that you'll listen to what he's saying. That you'll not despise the word of the Lord. I pray... The next time God speaks to you about something, that instead of debating with him and arguing with him or negotiating with him about getting him to let you do it your way, that you quickly respond and say yes to his will. Lord, I want to follow you. Lord, do you want me to get rid of this? I'll get rid of it. Lord, do you want me to say no to this? I'll say no. Lord, do you want me to forgive this person? I'll forgive them. Lord, do you want me to bless this person? Funny, sometimes the Lord will put things on our hearts. He'll tell us to bless somebody or help somebody. We don't even know why we're doing it. It's like, God told me to do it, so I'm going to do it. And then later on, you find out what God is doing inside of you. And that what you're doing when you bless them, you're following his word. You see, wait a minute, God, your life is being worked out in me. I pray that for parents, I pray that if you've started compromising... I pray that you'll get your family together. You've got to repent. You have to repent. I pray that you'll get your family together and say, Hey, kids, you know the attitude I've been having? Your kids will respect you more and they'll honor you more if whenever you mess up, you call a family meeting and you say, You know what? The Holy Spirit convicted me. As the Holy Spirit, you know, you need to have those meetings with your family and just say, You know what? My attitude's been wrong. Well, I said it was okay to go this way or to make these choices. We're setting new standards for our home. Father, I thank you for the examples that we have from your word that serve as a warning to us. Lord, I know it's our tendency to want to cut out those parts of your word that don't make us feel good, those parts of your word that we don't like. But I ask you today, Father, in the name of Jesus that you would give us ears to hear what the Holy Spirit would say. I pray that whenever a word of warning, a word of correction, a word of judgment comes our way, that we would humble ourselves before you. As the church of Jesus Christ, that we'd be quick to repent. Lord, in things in our families, let us be quick to repent. In attitudes of our hearts, let us be quick to repent. 
in actions, in the ways that we live, in the things that we involve ourselves in. I pray, God, we'd be quick to repent and that we would yield ourselves to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that your word would find a place in our hearts. And I pray that your word would stick with us and it would accomplish the purpose for which you sent it. And I ask this in Jesus' holy name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.